Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot mic underway on this Monday edition, the week of the NFL draft, NBA playoffs heating up, and much more. Glad you're with us. Dan Dockich will join us, host of Don't At Me with Dan Dockich mornings here across the Outkick Network. That's in 20 minutes. In about an hour and 15 minutes from right now, Hendon Hooker, former Tennessee quarterback, Benny saying first-round pick on Thursday night. Hendon Hooker joins us coming up in hour number two. Plus, Dan Z continues the draft discussion in hour three from Outkick.com. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited to be back this week. Ready to go. Busy, busy week. And the drama for the number one overall pick, well, I think many expect, including us, it's Bryce Young to yep. the Carolina Panthers. But... Here's the NFL draft. There's always a reason to sell hope and a reason to sell uncertainty. And that certainly is the case with the Houston Texans at number two. Look how much the odds have flipped for the number two overall selection, according to Las Vegas, which for months was either C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. The odds on favorite for the number two pick now, Chad, is Will Levis at minus 140, followed by Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson, the two pass rushers, before you get to C.J. Stroud for the Houston Texans. And I'm surprised, for the life of me, I can't explain this because it just doesn't make sense to me. And here's why. The, The idea that Levis, well, he did less, but he didn't have an offensive line. And the run game wasn't the same because Chris Rodriguez was out. And, well, they had different offensive coordinators. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Wide receivers went to the NFL. That's all true. But then on the same discussion about quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud, just, man, he had too much talent around him. How can you trust that? Because the wide receivers were excellent. Uh, The best wide receiver of the lot is still playing for the Buckeyes. And he'll be in the draft next year. Marvin Harrison, Jr., Offensive line, putting offensive tackles uh, into the league the last couple of years, starting on offensive lines across the league. But, you know, Stroud just had to throw to the open man. But it's Levis that has the opposite reaction whenever we're not seeing the same type of production. I'm drafting C.J. Stroud. The Texans, if true, have overthought this. And it's a prime example of why they're the Houston Texans right now, picking number two overall. And they have 11 wins over the last three years. And they're willing to take Will Levis over C.J. Stroud. And the entire time, I understand they wanted Bryce Young. And if it's not Bryce Young at number one, that's who they're going to select. But there's no way I'm drafting Will Levis ahead of C.J. Stroud in this draft, Jack. Well, this is all just crazy to me that – Will Levis has somehow magically jumped C.J. Stroud. Will Levis, who a week and a half ago was one of the guys that was seen as their stock was falling based on reports that could be dropping in the first round, now the Vegas favorite to be the number two overall pick. I am curious, though, with this Vegas odds, it's just to be the number two overall pick. I I don't know if that means 
the Texans are all in on Will Levis or Vegas believes someone else is all in on Will Levis and is trading up to number two with the Texans, and they'll get what they want ultimately, and that is to trade out of that spot to someone who wants one of these quarterbacks, much like we were discussing on Friday. But either way, I'm with you. If it's Will Levis as the second quarterback taken in this draft, that's going to be a huge mistake for whoever does it, whether it be the Texans or a team trading up into that spot to draft second overall. I don't get it. I think whenever you're doing backflips to make excuses for someone and say, yeah, but all these things were happening, then something's going on. And when the only knock on C.J. Stroud, there's really two sort of knocks on him. One, the surrounding cast was way too good, and that's why he looked as good as he did. And two, it's that he's not a real uh, reactionary quarterback. He's good with a plan. He's great with one or two reads, but he's not going to be great ad-libbing in an offense if, if things break down. Um, I still watch Will Levis and think turnover prone. I, I don't see what everyone else sees in that player. And I'm not saying that I'm absolutely in love with C.J. Stroud, but turn on that tape against Georgia and tell me what there's not to like about C.J. Stroud against one of the best defenses in America well, this past year in a, in a playoff yes. game. Yeah, and we, we, so Bryce Young doesn't have talent around him. Joe Burrow didn't have t- talent around him. I mean, C.J. Stroud like, is his kicker missing a makeable field goal away from winning a national championship. Yeah. Because they well, probably go on to blow out TCU, not not maybe the way Georgia did, but they're going to win that game if they can get past Georgia. So that's how close he was. With nothing to do with his play, cost him a national championship. But also, the, this S2 cognitive test or whatever, where you have all the lists. Like, how, first off, how do you know any of that's accurate? I don't. I don't know the act. the The actual company that it's doing. It's not releasing. This is all being leaked, and you know, it's just taken as gospel. When the the quarterbacks that we aren't even discussing for the first round, there are some names on there that have scored high according to the information that's available. If you're going to take it at face value, or is their stock rising all of a sudden because they have a great S two score? Ryan Leaf joined us on Friday and said straight up, like he and Peyton Manning took the wonder look side by side and looked at each other and they said, "What the hell are we doing?" Like they had what, and they had the same score. Yeah. One ends up being Peyton Manning. The other one was a bust. And Ryan Leaf is the one that said that. And they had the same score. None of this ultimately matters. It comes down to rapport with the offensive coordinator and the system that you're going to and the head coach, of course. But you had the fit. And whether or not that guy's a leader. And ultimately, can he ball? I've seen C.J. Stroud do that. And uh, while I've seen elements of this with Will Levis... We've talked more about the, the measurables and not the intangibles. And with Stroud, I can just say, hey, watch this game. It shows you everything we need to know. And with that S2 cognitive test, and I want to ask Hendon Hooker about this when he joins us later. Because Hendon Hooker scored low on this. Mm-hmm. Bryce Young, Will Levis scored very high. Hendon Hooker was like 48, 46 percentile, something like that. Whatever that means. And though. then C.J. Stroud was like 18%. I mean, there was a big drop-off to Hooker and then a bigger drop-off to, to uh, Stroud on that list. I, I'm with you. I, I don't know. I, I want to ask what this test was exactly. Um, I've t- we've taken the wonder lick. I think every media member has at some point because you get so interested in it. I don't know what this S2 cognitive test is or how it relates to a player's ability as a quarterback in the NFL. But we'll ask Kendon Hooker about it. But if this is the one reason, if Nick Casario marked an X 
through C.J. Stroud because of his S2 cognitive test, then Nick Casario thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and he's probably not. That's what I, I hear from that. If, if that's the only reason. I don't know that's the only reason. But that's the one bit of news we've gotten about C.J. Stroud that suddenly his draft stock is supposedly tanking because well, he, he scored poorly one time on the S2 cognitive <laughs> test. And what they've done is they, 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 they have created the drama necessary, the league and the ESPN, necessary to tune in to figure out what Houston's going to do at number two. Which, by the way, um, if, if everyone believes that they're taking Bryce Young number one, Houston can go ahead and trade out of that pick just like Chicago did a couple months ago. Because yeah. you, you know who's going to be there if you're buying the fact that Carolina's taking Young. And if not, if you're willing to take Young, you stay there. But Houston wouldn't trade the pick if Bryce Young were going to be available. If Houston trades out, you know, in the next couple days leading up to the draft, I think that's will be the aha moment on the Vegas suddenly favoring Will Levis that extremely to be the number two overall pick. That they caught wind of something. Vegas always knows, at least we believe that. And if they do in this situation, it's because they caught wind of someone trading up to get yeah, Levis. I just don't know how Vegas knows in this case this far in advance for that when this is the season of lies across the league and posturing and deception with what teams actually want to do. Hit us up with your thoughts. You can join us in the chat on YouTube. Just search out OutKick. We hope you'll subscribe, like, and share while you're there. Chad, the NBA has gotten a lot of wrong recently in recent seasons. Jalen Rose continues to show us how it's done. Um, I'm a good example of the casual sports fan for the NBA. Without a home market team, I'm looking for the, the, the trash talk. I'm all for the suspensions we've seen recently, the controversy. And guess what? None of that came with any political standing or grandstanding uh, for any specific side or difference of opinion. It was all taking place on the court and the rivalries and the trash talk that we saw this weekend. But Jalen Rose, as a part of all that coverage, jumps on his podcast in reaction to Phil Jackson, speaking in regards to exactly what I'm saying, where they've gotten a lot wrong in recent years, the league has, and responds by saying, well, this is also the coach that got rich off the, you know, the play of the great players around him and, and you know, insinuating certain things more than deliberately saying it and becoming a headline once again. During a time where the league doesn't need the off-the-court battling back and forth on racism, activism, or which page LeBron James is reading on a Malcolm X book. Yeah, I mean, Phil Jackson basically said, I, I lost a lot of interest in the NBA um, during the bubble year, during the COVID year, in the bubble. Because it, it was all the, you know, in racism and justice for all. and Names all the, on the back were... Names on the back were changed right. and, and everything else. And he's like, I just, you know, I want the NBA to be about the basketball and not political activism. Um, <clears throat> I completely agree. I've got a very consistent stance on this. If I run a league, if you name Chad Withrow commissioner of your sports league, here's my solemn promise to you as a sports league. I will stand for, wait for it, the sport. I'll stand for the league. That's what we stand for if I'm commissioner of your league. It's about the competition. It's about the players, the coaches. It's about the sport. It's not about political activism. We stand for nothing other than the NBA if I'm the NBA commissioner. Now, I'm not trying to squash political activism altogether. 
If you as an individual want to be politically active, that is your right as an American citizen. You can do it. I just finished a documentary on Bill Russell. He found tons of ways to be politically active. I didn't see him doing a lot in a Boston Celtics uniform when he was playing in the NBA. Would he not stay in a hotel that would only serve whites when he had an exhibition game in Lexington, Kentucky? He didn't. And guess what? His teammates wouldn't stay there either. And they went home and didn't play the game. You can be politically active. You can take a stand for something. I'm not trying to squash that out of the individual. But when leagues take the torch and become overly political and try to become political activists, it only serves to hurt the overall product of the league. And this is what a very smart basketball man and Phil Jackson is saying. And Jalen Rose can say what he wants about him making all that money off the backs of of African-American players over the course of his time. Phil Jackson knows basketball, and he knows what he likes in the game of basketball. And what that is, is the game of basketball. That's what most sports fans like. They like the sport. They like the competition. They like the talent on display on the court at all times. So what Phil Jackson is saying is totally not controversial at all. But for some reason, Jalen Rose feels like everything that goes against even partially his political activism or his side is somehow is, is an affront to him as a man and to every black person on the planet. That's not what Phil Jackson is saying. He wants it to be about the basketball and not about changing the names on the back of the jersey and all that. Fine with that opinion. It's an opinion, just like Jalen Rose's. But the problem is too many people believe you can have one opinion and not another in this country. And I am of the opinion, if I'm watching a sport, that it's about the sport I'm watching and nothing else in that moment. I'm not going to get mad at anyone that wants to be politically active as an individual on their own time. This is not a shut-up-and-dribble stance. It's a, I watch the basketball game to watch guys dribble. That's it. And if you're Phil Jackson or me or anyone else that has that opinion and you think, I would like to watch it for the sport alone, you're not wrong in having that opinion. And guess what this weekend and this last week and a half have been about for the NBA? The sport. The basketball. And uh, the nut shots. That's part of it, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I would be Brooks. remiss if I didn't also say there was a little bit about the, uh, the foul play going on in some of these games with cheap shots. Yeah, but it had nothing to do with controversy off the court. I mean, it's more about the old school mentality and whether or not it was dirty play. Right. Uh, which drew oh, a little bit of controversy in, that way is good on oh, the court. Which drew yeah. into a reason to actually watch the sport, you know, instead of the postgame presser. Uh, but the postgame presser with LeBron was awesome. The pregame warm up with LeBron and Dylan Brooks. Whenever they got face to face, when LeBron confronted him pregame, ball game, done. With Brooks just standing there and LeBron saying, "I, you know, he's like, hey, there was nothing private about it. I, it was very public. That's how I like it. Um, you could tell LeBron was telling him, hey, You've uh, you woke up the dog, and, well, you, and, I, it, and while and while LeBron was fine, the Lakers came out, and the way it was described by Doug, Doug Gottlieb this morning on Dan Dockich and Don't At Me was, for really the first time, L.A. became a huge LeBron fan instead of LeBron playing for Kobe's team. In that moment, that's an interesting way to put it, but the, I mean. The post game, if you want to talk about the, the groin shot by Dylan Brooks where he's, he's out but he's not going to be suspended. I mean, the groin shot came from LeBron James and the Lakers in game three with a 2-1 series lead and how they handled them. And it was exactly what I feared and I said the day after Dylan Brooks started running his mouth 
after that win was, this is not a bear you poke. I know he had the line about, I don't poke bears. You've got to drop 40 on me before I pay you any respect. Yeah. Well, you poked a pretty big bear in LeBron James. He's the NBA's all-time leading scorer that you've awoken now. And now you're down the whole team woke 2-1 in the series. Uh, yes, he woke up everyone. I, I just... If you want to do that up 3-0 or after you win the series, have at it. I love it because it's going to add to next season's drama. But from a competitive standpoint, I don't know that what Dylan Brooks did was the smartest. I love it from an entertainment standpoint. I love Dylan Brooks for doing it because now I'm even more into this series. But I don't know that he did his teammates any favors when he poked LeBron James the way he did. Literally and LeBron, yeah. Well, that poke was a little different than the poke he made, the verbal jab. You think, the game. He, you think it was intentional? Did I think it was intentional? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, it was like, uh, you know, uh, what, oh, no. what's, well, the, the, what's the capital the, of Thailand? Well, the basketball. You know, type joke. That's yeah. what he did. And what, yeah. That's, it's a very opportunistic uh, chance taken there. Yeah. And, I mean, Dylan Brooke, I mean, too little too late at that point with the score. Just be careful what you wish for because Amen. LeBron right now looks like he's going into dad mode and he's asserting himself as the father of Dylan Brooks in these games. Agreed. And Dylan Brooks, in a typical little brother or son move, resorted to the one thing that, that the weaker person can do in a fight, and that is to hit the genitalia of the person on top of them. The fact and is that's he exactly did it, what he did like, that game. Like, I, don't, I actually don't want Dylan Brooks to stop. Just more cheap shots? <laughs> yes. I mean, I... LeBron was like, "Hey, I've been here and done that. Like, I've I've had people try to rattle me. This is not my first rodeo." Well, um, the only thing that's going to be fun now about this series, though, is if Dylan Brooks has a counter. I know the yeah. Grizzlies have to win. Really, the best if they come out and win tonight, and it's two-two. Right, and he's talking trash. Then it's okay. Now, what's going to happen in Game Five? But if they go out and get curb stomped, I know, I know. in in L.A., then that's not going to be good. Coming up, Dan Dockich will join us. And an hour from now, Hendon Hooker will be on the show. But we'll discuss all of the happenings from the weekend across the NBA. We'll get Dan's take on the top five picks in the NFL draft and much more. That's straight ahead on Hot Mike. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hot Mike with Hutton with Row rolls on with the host of Don't At Me here on the Outkick Network. Dan Dockett joins us each Monday at this time. Dan, hope you're doing well and plenty of drama going into the, the NFL draft to discuss, but let's, let's start with the NBA, if we may. How invested are you in the series between L.A. and Memphis and Golden State, Sacramento, those two? Yeah, fellas, I like them both. I heard you talking about Dylan Brooks. Brian Windhurst described Dylan Brooks as diet Draymond Green. And, you know, <laughs> That's a great line. I'm going to use I that thought, now. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> hey, I am. I, I, uh, I, if you get a chance, we, we played it on our show this morning, but if you get a chance, listen to Clay Thomas, uh, Thompson 
uh, the other night talking about uh, Steph Curry. It's one of the best things you'll, you'll see because he just talks with such reverence and pride about being, you know, his teammate and all the great things Steph Curry is about. And I gotta, I'm a big fan of Steph Curry, have been for a long time. And I like the fact that they're being challenged a bit by the Kings. Heck, the Kings had a shot to win last night. Looked like it was going to go in. It didn't. So I'm really invested. In fact, I like the other day, my, my son's college roommate was Duncan Robinson, and they're best of friends. And Duncan signed a $92 million deal a few years ago, and next thing you know, he's on the bench, and he got a chance to play the other night, and man, did he play. So I'm, I'm looking at that one, too. The NBA, or the, the bookmakers made a mistake. Uh, they gave me plus 100 without Giannis on the heat at home the other night, and I, I took that to the bank, and, and frankly, I'm wearing new shoes because of it, and I'm hoping to do the same thing tonight because you're getting plus money at home again even though Giannis is coming back. So I'm all in on the NBA playoffs. I like it. Yeah, and normally I'm all in around conference final time, like wake me up when we get there, um, you know, in a month. Not this year. I'm, I'm invested in some of these first-round series, and I'm not going to let Jalen Rose allow me to fall into the trap of talking about things off the court when the focus so far for the first week and a half of the postseason, Dan, has been exactly where the league needs it, on the court with a, a revived and an energetic playoff series across the country, no matter where you look, really. There, there are some bad ones, but for the most part, the stars are making really good series. Meanwhile, Jalen Rose is trying to make another political statement. Yeah, he's got nothing but that. You know, it, it, they've tried to on that show, and, and guys that are longtime ESPN guys, personalities that you know very, very well, uh, are friends of mine, and they always say, worst pre, post, and halftime show in the history of sports. And the NBA countdown show has never gotten it right, and the one constant is Jalen Rose, and there's a reason for that. I mean, if you take Jalen Rose and how he, he interacts on the set, and you compare it to Charles Barkley, how he interacts on the set. Charles Barkley, you know, draws other people in. Jalen Rose is like he's auditioning. And he's awful. He's horrible. And I'm the same with you. You know, he wants to say whatever he wants to say about Phil Jackson. It's simply because he doesn't have anything else to, to give. He, he is who he is. He's got nothing to give as an evaluator, as an analyst. So he gets racist. He's trying to be the next whatever. Good for him. But the one great thing I've always said about the NBA playoffs is, man, oh, man, are those crowds great. Are those crowds fantastic. New York City closed down 7th Avenue yesterday after they beat the frickin' Cavaliers. I mean, what the heck? And it's the one thing that makes me crazy here in Indiana that the Pacers haven't been in the playoffs because I'm telling you guys, the weather's usually pretty good. You go downtown, you get a bite to eat, you grab a beer, and you go to the game, and, and it's a city thing. It's not Indiana against Purdue, or it's not Vanderbilt against, you know, Tennessee, or anything like that. It's an entire city, and in some cases, a state thing. And I think it's very, very cool, and you're right, the stars are shining, and screw guys that just want to bring BS into it, because that's all they can do. Yeah, and when Phil Jackson says, you know, he's not into all the, the politics with the league, and he talks about the bubble year with all the messages all over the court and on the backs of jerseys and everything. Dan, I just got done watching this documentary on Bill Russell, the great Bill Russell, uh, on, on Netflix. And he was very politically active as an individual, but he wasn't doing it as a, with the Celtics. The league wasn't doing it, right? We got away at some point from sports being about the sport too often. I really think that's what Phil Jackson is saying, that I like the NBA for the basketball. And I, I want to watch the basketball. 
Phil Jackson's not, you know, uh, immune to being politically active or saying things that's his opinion one way or the other, but when did we get into the business of leagues as a whole taking political stances and publicizing them? <clears throat> well, when ESPN decided to do that with the NBA and, and they decided to do that during the, the George Floyd and the pandemic and all that in the NFL, but I think the NBA did, and, and you know what? Hey, look, it's everybody's prerogative. But one thing I would say about Rose, don't give me this crap that Phil Jackson made millions off of the sweat equity of African-American players. I got to tell you, Michael Jordan never won a damn championship until what? Phil Jackson came along. Kobe and Shaq was considered a mess until what? The sweat equity of Phil Jackson, his organization, his teaching, his ability to get people to buy into what he was doing. That's where I had a real problem with Jalen Rose. He's full of crap. He's just, he's just saying things because people that are stupid will go along with him and go, yeah, yeah, it's the players. Well, no, no, it's not. Stan Albeck and Doug Collins, I love Doug Collins. He's a friend, but they didn't win nothing with Michael Jordan. Whoever was coaching the Lakers before Phil Jackson, if you remember, it was considered an absolute train wreck. Here comes Phil Jackson and they straighten it out. And to your point, hey, look, Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and anybody that has ever paid attention to Phil Jackson understands never one time, not one single time, has anybody ever raised the question of Phil Jackson being anything but a uniter when he was coaching. Now, all of a sudden, Scottie Pippen has got to sell a book, and he's saying, well, you know, it was racial when Tony Kukos got the shot way back in the 90s. And now Jalen Rose, again, just a guy that has nothing, and I mean nothing, to give as an analyst and a guy who has failed miserably at everything he's done at ESPN uh, wants to say racist. It was never, never, ever even a thought when he was actually in the arena. And now it's just dudes trying to make a name off of a guy who's got 11 championships. LeBron says he's not into making statements when other players step up and try to make one against him. What did you make of the Lakers' response and when Dylan Brooks gave the old cup check and he's not getting suspended for it, but it was a very sly, <laughs> sly move because he knew what he was doing? He knew exactly, fellas, what he was doing. I mean, I've always said, look, I haven't played in 30 years and I can do that. I could do anything to somebody that I wanted to do on the court. Uh, as slyly as possible. Not that I'm going to get away with it, yeah. but I can make it look like I'm going to hit you in the packy. I'm going to make it look like I'm going to hit you in the throat. I mean, anybody can do that. Let's be honest. I say it all the time. You're sitting there in your underwear for crying out loud. You're exposed, particularly uh, when you have the ball or you don't have it. You're exposed. You're sitting there. Your arms are out. Are you kidding me? Dylan Brooke, I love James's response. James hasn't said the guy's name. James shouldn't say the guy's names. Dylan Brooks, again, diet Draymond. <laughs> I'm not surprised that he did that. I'm not surprised when uh, the AAU culture that has impacted how people react in basketball, particularly the NBA, rears its ugly head. He was getting his brains beat out. He's going to continue to get his brains beat out. I think one of you guys said it when I was listening to you before. It'd be nice if they could bounce back and win yeah. Memphis because it makes it more interesting. But I don't think LeBron's going to do that. I don't think he's going to let him win. I love the way James handled that. You can criticize LeBron for whatever you want to, but the way he handled that 
was like a big brother just shushing the little brother's friend who's trying to make a name for himself. I thought it was great. Speaking of little cheap shots, how about Deontay Murray of the Hawks just chest-bumping an official on his way off the court when they lost the Celtics last night? Dan, I I watched probably the last seven, eight minutes of that game. There were some crazy good shots hit for both sides late in that game. This is a good way to ruin what was otherwise a good game when you bump an official on the way off the court. Yeah, you know, that's just dumb, right? I mean, look, anybody that plays any sport, I don't care if it's a rec league or summer league, softball, you don't touch an official. It's just like, it's like, you know, when a whistle blows and you're a football player in peewee football or you're a football player in the NFL, you just stop. There are certain things that you just know. And when I saw that video, well, I thought he's going to be very, very, very lucky if he just gets a fine. I haven't seen, I've been looking, I haven't seen whether the NBA has come down yet. I know they're investigating, but I think you got to suspend the guy. I don't know how you let a guy who goes out of his way, Chad, he went out of his way to go towards the official. This wasn't like we're arguing and I move in too quick and you're moving in at the same time. He went out of his damn way to go bump this guy. There's no way, I don't think anyway, that you can let this guy play. I, I think he's got to sit uh, at least a game, maybe the rest of the series, which is probably just going to be a game. But he's got to sit and pay a fine, in my opinion. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, and I'm, uh, reports are just continuing with the playoff discussion that De'Aaron Fox has severed a fractured index finger in his, his left shooting hand. So that could, I mean, he could miss... Uh, game five is very doubtful, is what they're saying. That sucks for the Kings in what's been a, a crazy series and the way the Warriors have responded as well. Yeah, I think it's been a great series, guys, and I hate to hear that. I got a chance to meet meet with him. I don't know about, you know, hang out with him, but I was in the Bahamas doing a summer deal, and he was on Kentucky's team, and he's just a neat kid. He, he just, oh, No, it was the Bahamas uh, during the, one of those tournaments. Yeah. He's just a neat kid. He's just a really good dude, you know, like – you know how it is. I don't care whether it's media. I don't care whether it's teaching or whatever. There are just some people you root for, and I root for him. That series without De'Aaron Fox, it may be over anyway, but it, it, it's over. They had a chance last night. Harrison, Harrison yeah. Barnes had the shot. You know, he didn't make it. You got to make it when you get a chance to beat those guys, and they didn't. That's over if that's true. It's tough to know what is true across the NFL draft. Uh, what GMs are saying at pressers, what the media is reporting, what they're not saying, who could be available but isn't for sure available. Dan, let's play a a short game of do you believe? Do you believe C.J. Stroud is actually going to fall past Houston or any team at number two overall? Because right now, Will Levis is the odds-on favorite to be the second player selected on Thursday. No, I don't believe that. I, I believe that C.J. Stroud will be the second uh, pick. I think that wh- whatever's happened here in the gambling markets I saw at Caesars had a minus 140, and that's great. But I believe when, when it all shakes out and you got to bring your pick to the podium, man, at number two, I can't do Will Levis unless I'm 1,000%. I don't think anybody's going to be 1,000% regardless if he can throw a football and hit a goalpost from 50 yards on his knees, which was impressive, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I'm not buying it. I don't believe it. I believe C.J. Stroud will go number two. The Colts will say that every team is going to say they ended up with the player they wanted. Are the Colts actually going to end up with the quarterback they want at number four? Well, based on what I just said, that Stroud's going number two, no, I don't believe it. I, I think I, – I, and I don't know what – 
I think the Colts are the most intriguing player here because if Stroud is number two and number one goes to, you know, Bryce Young and number three goes to a non, you know, Will Anderson or whomever, not a Colts are intriguing because I can't believe, I don't know how you guys feel, I'm curious how you do feel. I can't believe that anyone with the fourth pick in the draft that absolutely has to have a franchise quarterback really believes Le- Levis or Richardson is an absolute four pick in the draft. I, maybe I'm dead wrong about that, but I cannot believe that. I, I just have a hard time with that. What do you think? I couldn't. Well, I mean, to me, it's Levis next in line there based on the organization. Is that bad? Like, that, that's why I think yeah, it makes sense. I, or Richardson. Take the ceiling and just go with your gut and the coach you just hired. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can't believe, like, you, you know, you, you're, you're not – it's not, like, definite, right? It's not like, well, this is who I would I take. It's like, well, I think I would take Levis. I think <laughs> I would take Richardson. He's got the highest ceiling. You know, Levis has got all the physical attributes. All I hear about now is Josh Allen this, Josh Allen that. Okay, I mean, look, it, it's a tough spot because if you don't take him and he does end up Josh Allen, then you look like a clown. I just, I just, I think the Colts are intriguing. Like the guy you're going to have on here, Hendon Hooker. I mean, he's a bit intriguing too. I mean, depending on sure. where his knee is, you know, it, it, what what makes Hendon Hooker healthy, not as good as Anthony Richardson, or not as good as Will Levis? I don't have the answer to that. Dan, are you still bored by the final season of Succession, or did it pick up for you when they went to Norway last night on the episode? I just. I just watched it. I got done. I did another show, and I just got done watching it. Yeah, I'm much better with it now. I like, you know what? I'm kind of digging the old guys that are in the background. They're sitting there. A couple are in the sauna. They're sitting in there with robes. Yeah, I, I kind of like it. And you know what? I, I know she's pregnant, and I don't know how the whole thing's going to play out. But I need more shiv in my life. Yeah. I want more shiv. Uh, I think she's awesome. She's going to be a major player here with that Norwegian dude. I can, and I don't know what I mean play. I maybe play ya, P L A Y A with the Norwegian dude. I don't know. But Tom's got himself a serious problem right now because he looks like he's going to be out of a marriage, out of the family, and out of a job. And I ain't mad about it because he makes my ass tired. He's grabbing the ropes uh, like he's uh, back uh, at the lake house. Uh, hun, hun, you're gonna whenever you catch up to succession, you're gonna know exactly what we're talking about, and you're you're, you're gonna absolutely love it. I already know. Chad's um, already told me what happened. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's great. Fr- uh, Carl and Frank are the two old guys <laughs> that are really yeah. they've come into their own the last couple of episodes. Now that the boss is dead. Uh, spoiler alert! Once again, <laughs> uh, it's it's really amazing now that that's gone on. They're awesome. Yeah, they sit there. They were in robes. I don't know what he was drinking. It wasn't brown, so I'm assuming it was rum or vodka. They were putting their compression socks on on the plane, too, and saying, you know, (laughs) what are you looking at? To the younger guys looking at them? (laughs) It's it's good. Yeah. I'm glad you're back in, Dan, because I've liked the whole season, but last night's episode was really good. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I'm hoping, and I don't know. I need one more F off from Logan Roy. Somehow, some way, there's got to be a ghost of Logan Roy, a hologram. There's got to be something because he needs to be back in my life dropping F-bombs on people because that's magnificent. Maybe that's good a spin-off TV. with that or something. Well, prequel. he uh, <laughs> spit off with a dead man. He, well, a prequel. He, he did say that he, uh, he shot some other scenes that have not aired yet. So there will be flashbacks Dream at some scenes. point, Dan. So I think you're going to get, uh, get what you want with some, some flashbacks of him still breathing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I need more Shiv. I need I think Shiv 
Shiv has that look that she's always smiling, but, you know, she's kind of grin blanking you. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, I can't say the word, oh, you yeah. know, but that's what she, yeah, that's what <laughs> she's kind of doing. Like she, she knows more. So no, it's good. Now I, now I, uh, Barry, uh, was last night. Barry's really good. And Barry came back. Bill Hader is fantastic. So I got an evening of Barry and then, uh, Perry Mason comes on later. So, I'm going to get bonbons, get some chocolates, weigh 700 pounds, and, uh, you know, it's cold here in Indy, nothing else to do. When Sunday nights on HBO matter and you like the shows that are on there, it's always entertaining because I'm with you. I I like Barry. (laughs) I like Perry Mason, which is on Mondays. But Sunday night on HBO right now, it's it's humming, baby, with Succession's final season and Barry's final season all building to a conclusion with both great shows. I'm with you, Dan. Dan Dockett's the yeah, host of Don't At Me yeah. across the Outkick Network. Dan, you're the man. Appreciate you as always, and uh, we will catch up soon. Thanks, and thanks for today, Jonathan. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Absolutely. See you later. Dan Dockett each Monday with us. We appreciate him joining us, too. Uh, he mentioned Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker's coming up in roughly 30 minutes or so. Looking forward to that. Actually, uh, 40 minutes from right now. Hope you'll join us for that. When we come back, though, uh, the prime effect in the snow. It was a Yellowstone moment <laughs> in Colorado. It's basically the, Deion the Sanders. basically played a game on the on the Dutton Ranch it's amazing. this it was, past weekend. I I don't I don't know anyone that saw a play from it except for the snow falling and it could not it could could he script it any better. We'll try to explain oh, the, outfit, the how whole thing. It's all great. perfect and we've got details of why next on Hot Mike. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Primetime put on quite the show in the spring game debut for the Colorado Buffaloes. I don't know how you scripted any better than the setting of snow at a spring game in April and May's on the horizon. And on the horizon for Deion Sanders was like he's riding horseback in there trying to, (laughs) you know, like Yellowstone. I mean, it was, I saw the crowd of nearly 50,000. And when you see the comparison of the, the video from the spring game last year to this year, and the elements involved, like 75,000, here's last year to the, this year, 75,000 for Ohio State and Bobby Carpenter last week said, look, good things happen whenever there's 77 degrees and sunshine and you're looking for football in April. Well, try Colorado where you're just looking for win number two last year. You can't find that. And you end up with Deion Sanders and a great crowd on hand as he rode in and put on a show enough so that he's running some players out. 15 players entering the portal following the, the spring game for Colorado. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. Is he going to make this program. Is he going to make this hat a, a common theme so, on the sideline? Because if so, this is one of the best looks in the history of, of football. A lot of Bum Phillips vibes. Yeah, man. With the, the hat. sunglasses. He also looks like uh, it's the hat that the the like the woman who rides in on the Denver Bronco wears. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. She's yes. got the chaps on. 
and she rides the Broncos mascot in. I feel like she's got the exact same hat. So I first thought, is that an ode to the woman who was the Denver Broncos mascot or rides in on the Bronco? Either way, terrific look for uh, Deion Sanders. Not as good of a look when you have 15 more players leaving via the transfer portal after the spring game. I mean, I... It seems I, to me they only wanted one of them, and that's the kid who had the monster day. I think it's a great a receiver and then left. <laughs> he like auditioned on national TV from, and then From left. the first day, he walked in and gave that opening speech where they're meeting him, and he's like, look, just be honest with you, some of you guys... We're Not going to make the cut. We're going to recruit over you. Yeah, and he's he's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. I'm talking to you, Colin. Uh, <laughs> he just calls someone now, by name. Meanwhile, you've talking got the, to you over there, Davey, <laughs> our backup linebacker. I'm recruiting over you. Meanwhile, you've got the the Colorado Chancellor saying that the Pac-12 is going to end up with the third most lucrative TV deal when it's all said and done. That's bold considering where they are right now and the TV rights agreement up in what 14 months now. Uh, that's a that's a steep prediction. You also said that Colorado's is committed to the Pac-12, which, I mean, technically right now is true. Um, if I'm the Big 12, I'm jumping in immediately, trying to make a deal and be the, for the third consecutive year, have conference realignment as a topic on July 4th weekend. If the, it, what is, what is the, the chancellor know at Colorado, or does he know anything, or is he just being overly optimistic? Because there have been conversations with Apple and the only way they're getting to that number is if Apple is just paying them way too much than what it's worth right now, and maybe that's the case. But significant that's deal a bold, for Apple, but like that's th- a bold, third best in payout is saying something. That's got to be over thirty-one million a year. That's that's right. what yeah. uh, the Big Twelve is. So it's a big payout if it's just Apple that's buying the rights to all of it, or is it going to be more? I, and also, if it's, it's, that, a, it's, it's a big-time prediction coming from the chancellor. There's been a lot of negative reporting, though, about all this for the last month and a half. Why would you allow that to continue if it's going to be some lucrative deal with Apple? Lucrative meaning, like, financially, I'm saying. Because that's what they're saying here. It's going to be the third It's in, in, It's in one order. thing to I'm stop the bleeding that. of the bad reports about how poorly the negotiations are going and getting a TV deal. I understand if you're a chancellor in the Pac-12... You want to cut that off, and you want to say, hey, it's actually going a lot better than people think. We have some really good possibilities out there. It's a completely separate thing to throw out a predictor like that and say, we, we expect to be the third best conference when it's all said and done. Yeah. Because then if you don't make it to there, you're not even close, you look like a failure. Yeah, but they, they, You can't already, sell success at that point. But the, the prediction by Klyovkov last year was $40 million. So it already appears as though it's going to be, right? Like they've already tried to claim their spot and couldn't. That's why this one is, and, and, and he also said they're committed to the Pac-12. I mean, who can say that? Who, any, <laughs> how can any program right now say that, given the circumstances? Well, they're say, he's saying it because... They are right now, and this, at this very moment. It's true that right now we're committed to the Pac-12 okay. because we don't yet have our formal offer from the Big 12. I mean, you could also just end it with that. The Big Ten came calling, though. I mean, <laughs> the chancellor said that. We're committed to the Pac-12, but if the new Big Ten commission wants to give us a call, pick up the phone, then we'd, we'd listen. Chad, I'm watching Shadur Sanders warm up on social media. You get the clips, right? And mm-hmm. it looks like, when, at first, I had no idea, by the way, it was snowing in Colorado. I thought, like, they, is this like sand at the 50-yard line for the, the logo? I'm like, what is he warming up in right here? And then I realized, like, oh, it's snowing. And then I start clicking on all the links. Of course, the field didn't look at, it covered like this uh, whenever they're showing the warm-ups. But 
I mean, I, I didn't have to see a single play to know that it was a massive win for Prime. It's a massive win uh, for a TV audience. I do wonder, though, is it a massive win for recruiting when you see snow in April if you're a kid from a warm-weather state? Maybe it's I a mean, sales point. Maybe it's not. But I'm, I, you know, there may be some people that think, is it that bad in Boulder all the time where it's snowing in late April? So could be a win, could be a loss. The crowd that showed up is a big a win. It's a big the win crowd, for them. The crowd plus prime. But that's the other thing is Deion Sanders is, is riding in and taking over. But I, you know, I don't agree with everything he's saying about the kids that are in the locker room. Don't get me wrong, but... I Look, mean, it's it's fine it's, to talk a big game, but you got to deliver. You just well, got to start bringing in the players too, because he doesn't have much of a roster right now with all that he's lost. You, uh, you do have to deliver. You're cutting the fat, and you're cutting a lot of players who lost a ton of games, so it's not a huge loss or anything. He knows what he's doing, but you better start bringing in some big transfer portal additions also. And he's done that with some of his guys yeah. from before, but bring in more and more of that because with the transfer portal nowadays, expectations are quicker to be good. You can turn things around, good or bad, in a hurry because of the portal. So he's going to need to do that in a good way. Hendon Hooker is going to join us coming up in about 25 minutes when we come back from the upcoming rookie quarterback. We'll start, though, with the veteran QB that I guess should be traded on draft weekend, Aaron Rodgers. We haven't heard much, but the latest report is that the Jets and the Packers, they're talking again. Details there, and... How long is too long to wait to get this deal done? Hot Mike continues on OutKick. <laughs> 